Good evening. Great to be with you uh, here. So I'm glad to greet so many of you as you are coming in. Uh, thank you uh, for the opportunity to be here these couple of nights. Kim and I have really enjoyed it. Uh, talked about it all day and on the ride up here. And I'm uh, really grateful to have a chance to be with you. Uh, a couple of things I was just going to tell you. Um, I, I want you to know that the DS prays for you. Um, multiple ways that comes about. Uh, one is that uh, I write your pastor at least once a week, um, sometimes more. <laughs> but I'm always praying for him and for your service. And I uh, watch your services sometime, and we're we're usually driving somewhere, and so I'm clicking along, deciding I'm going to watch somebody uh, preach and watch somebody lead in worship um, on that day. So uh, definitely praying for you. Uh, I guess my heart prayer, uh, and I share this with your pastor, is uh, wouldn't it be great if the greatest days of street of, of Sterling are yet to come? Isn't that what we really pray for and hope for? You know, we, we're grateful for, you know, a lot of times we talk about the golden days or whatever, but maybe the golden days are to come uh, yet. Uh, maybe we, um, we, we haven't seen yet the, the people that need to come to Christ. Most of the people that need to come to Christ through the ministry of Sterling, you haven't met them yet. There might be some family, but there's people that God wants to come to know Christ through this congregation. So uh, I pray for you about that. I pray for great unity uh, in the congregation that you would find, help lost people come to know Jesus and that people in our congregation would be discipled and growing and you have this great connection with the community. Uh, so thankful, as I mentioned last night, for, uh, for Denny and, and Jody. Uh, another thing you should know, and you're aware of this from the announcements, but um, the district is going to show up here on Saturday. Um, yeah, we're going to have to, this room will probably be full. Uh, we expect probably 250, maybe 250 to 300 um, delegates. Um, missions, NYI, uh, NDI, which is discipleship. Uh, we're all going to be together. It's going to be a, it's going to be a roaring day at Sterling. Um, I was at, I was at Bert and Betty's house a little over a week ago, and one of the first things she said to me was, uh, to me and my associate Jim, uh, and she said, "Whoa!" She said, "Sterling is hosting the convention," and I said. Isn't that exciting? Didn't you do that? Yes, she was excited about that. And we're excited to be here, uh, to be coming and be a part of, of what is happening here. And I want people to be in your building and to feel what is happening here and to, to, to be around Denny. Not just our ministers, but lay people from all across the, uh, the district will, will be here. You know, uh, Jesus changes everything. Would you say that? Jesus changes everything. Everything. Now, you know, we, we don't mean that. Just that spiritually, he makes us feel a little bit better. You know, we know that he changes everything. He changes who we are. He changes uh, the difficulties that we deal with. He impacts our marriages, right? You know, I've been married 40 years. That's, that's pretty. That's pretty nice. We we've been celebrating for the whole year, really. Um, but the reason our marriage 
has lasted 40 years is because of Jesus. You know, we couldn't pull that off. You know, we got flaws. And uh, how about I just speak for myself? But Jesus changes everything. And so we, we need to remember that and recognize that because, you know, Jesus started with less people than are in this room and changed the whole world. So all he asks us to do is to change our, our city and change our county. And I'm so glad that the way he does that is that he offers us good news. Good news. He doesn't necessarily want us out there just having to come up with our own story. He wants us to share the good news of what he is, has brought uh, to all of us. And so that's really the kind of the message of the night is uh, just wanting to think with you about that. You know, he wants us to remember that he came, that he gave his life that he sacrificed. And we do that in multiple ways. We remember. We remember like through our baptism. You know, baptism represents dying to ourselves and being raised with Christ. We, we remember through uh, communion when we have the Lord's Supper together. We remember when we have this Lent season. And, you know, Easter is two weeks from Sunday. Uh, so that's so exciting. The, it's our reminder and really the reminder to the whole world that Jesus is alive. That is uh, good news. So Jesus changes everything through the good news. You know, when he was walking among us, uh, he was doing ministry. He'd been walking around uh, on this earth for about a year. He started his ministry when he was about 30. And he's been going around an area called Galilee. Uh, the area is called Galilee because the Sea of Galilee is right there. We were there just a few weeks ago, and I think it looks just like it did in the time of Jesus. You know, it's hard to change a sea. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's there. Uh, the Sea of Galilee, uh, he, he walked around there. Um, we know that a lot of people lived uh, in that area, and Jesus went from place to place preaching and healing and teaching and doing miracles. And the word about him was spreading everywhere. People knew about Jesus. So Jesus decides that he's going to go to his hometown in Nazareth. He's going home. That was a big deal. Uh, this is like the local boy doing good. You know, he's, he's, he's coming home. He's in Nazareth, uh, sort of a hero's coming. Uh, everybody knows about Jesus, has heard about him. And so on that day of worship, he goes to the synagogue in Nazareth. And so the Gospel of Luke picks up that story, and it tells us this. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. News about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Then he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to his synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read and from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah that was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. Now, get the picture here before I read the last part. Jesus comes in. It's his hometown. He's in the synagogue. They've asked him uh, to read the scripture that day. And so the scripture he's going to read is from Isaiah chapter 60, uh, verses 1 and 2. 
is an ancient prophecy, a prophecy that's, a hundred, that's hundreds of years old, and it's a prophecy about the Messiah coming and showing up. That'd be the scripture he was going to read, right? Picks it up, he looks at it, and then he reads these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for all the prisoners, to recover sight to the blind, and to release the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, I've heard many people say, that our, our mission statement really is go and make disciples of all nations. And, and that's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, we, we know he's, he's called us to do that. But you know, when I read this scripture right here, this kind of tells you what you do after revival. Like what do you do once you get ignited? You know, igniting was our, was our idea. You know, you ever ignited something? Like on my grill, you know, it's got a little button there and it says ignite. So you turn on the gas, you push that button, and you hope it's going gonna, it's gonna to light. It's going to come on. Igniting. And so Jesus is giving us perspective about what are we going to do as we, as we not only receive revival. Um, I'm pretty sure, I don't know everybody that comes to church here, but I'm pretty sure not everybody came to revival. Nope. So, you know, what that basically means is, that there's some people that don't have quite the same little fire that you got this week. So what you got to do is you got to sit real close to them and kind of get them lit up a little bit, right? That's the first thing that we do is we, we pass it on to our brothers and sisters. And, and we move into an Easter time and we celebrate what God is doing uh, in our church. And then it begins to not only infect them, but then outward into our community. So the Bible says that, Jesus rolled up, you know, they didn't have books or Bibles like we would carry around. They had scrolls. So he rolls up the scroll, and now it's time for him to speak. And the Bible says that he sat down and, and began to speak. Now, we do it opposite. I stand up, and you sit down. In his day, he sat down, and they all stood up. They got their workouts. Stand, stand, you know, it's a little harder to go to sleep in the service if you're standing up. You know, might should try that. I mean, so, um, you know, we'd be exhausted, wouldn't we? Uh, so Jesus sits down and, and he says at the end of the reading, today this scripture that you have heard has been fulfilled right in front of you. Wow. Uh, you, maybe you could feel the tension of the moment. Uh, we weren't there, so we can't really for sure feel it. But what, you're, what he's reading has been an anticipation for hundreds of years by the Jewish people. They had been looking for a Savior to come. They had been waiting for a Messiah. And here's Jesus sitting there. And he says, hey, guys, guess what? I'm it. I showed up. I'm the Lamb of God. I'm the King of Kings. I'm the one that you've been hoping for. You, in that moment, everything changed. Everything changed. Uh, we were in Nazareth 
and a friend of mine uh, was telling me that uh, we we went and visited the the large church is there up on the top of the hill. Um, my my friend said, "Did you go?" And he mentioned this one little location, and he said, "Well, the pastor of the Nazarene Church took him to this little cave that's just off the street of kind of downtown Nazareth, and it's supposedly is kind of the location of this synagogue that would have been there. It's just kind of a little cave opening now, and so there's this." Uh, Arab Christian man and he's talking to my friend and he said this is where it all changed he's talking about that moment where he proclaimed what was it that he came to do so tonight thinking about insight from revival and what what is it that God is calling us to do you to do Uh, notice the first thing Jesus says is that he came to bring hope to the hopeless. Hope to the hopeless. He says he, you know, that he came to care for the poor. Now, when he's talking about the poor, certainly he's talking about the poor materially, right? You know, one of the things I know about you is you care about the poor, right? I, I, I see you talking about doing things like feeding people in a community. And uh, I know Brother Tom back there every every Christmas. I know they got this this big dinner and, and all kind of things. I, look, I spend a lot of time hanging out with Irene. Uh, so I, I know I know a lot about you. Uh, and uh, and I, I definitely know about Irene. And Irene is all about helping the poor and caring for those uh, that are hurting. So Jesus says, uh, keep it up. That's one of the things that we do. We take care of the poor. But he's not just talking about the materially poor. He's also talking about the spiritually poor. You know, we were all spiritually poor. One time when we didn't know Christ. So we recognize that God wants to bring life and energy and focus to us. And you know, what what happens is, is that you get on fire, you get ignited, and then as you are spiritually blessed, then you carry that over to others around you that are hurting. See, the reason people are spiritually poor is because there's an empty place inside of us that only God can fill. Whatever people are doing, whatever is happening, you know, your family, your sons and daughters, your nieces, your nephews, your grandchildren, the people next door, all the people around you, the people you work with and shop with in this community, all of them were just like you. They had a, they had a Jesus-sized hole right in their heart. They needed him to change everything. It means that he is the only one that can fill that emptiness. So if you ever feel empty, just realize it's, it's Jesus that fills that emptiness in us. Um, you know, we, he encourages us to reach out. You know, lots of people, even all of us, have tried to fill that hole with something else. Fill it with some relationship or some person or some job or some material things, prestige or busyness or education. We try to fill that hole with anything we can because we feel emptiness. People fall into sin because they're seeking to find fulfillment in some other way. But what is God calling us to do? He's calling us to recognize that we were spiritually bankrupt and that now he is the one that is setting us free. 
It means that he recognizes we are spiritually poor and now he is turning us toward him and fulfilling his desires within us. That's the hope that we have. Uh, That's the hope that he gives to us. Psalm 42 verse 5 says, Why are you discouraged, O my soul? The psalmist is talking to his own soul. Why are you discouraged, O my soul? Why are you restless? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. So what oxygen is to our bodies, hope in God is to our soul. We can't live without oxygen, and we certainly can't live without his hope. God gives us life when things weigh us down. His life presses you uh, to find strength and encouragement that is beyond your own ability. He says, I don't want you just to put your trust in me. I want you to rest in me. I want you to put your weight down on who I am. You know, that's really, that's really what it means to have faith. It's like to put, I, I noticed as I was watching y'all as you came in, I noticed that none of you guys even checked out your chair. Like nobody got down there and looked at, you just flopped yourself right down into that chair. Like it was going to hold you up. You weren't even concerned that thing was going to be strong today or if there was a screw loose. No, no, you didn't even look under there, did you? Just right down into the chair. That's what he wants you to do. Is your faith in Jesus is just to put your whole weight down on him. The weight of your life, the weight of your circumstances, the weight of, of your sin on him. Because he came to bring hope to the hopeless. To take care of the poor materially, and spiritually. Another thing Jesus says here is, he says, I came to heal the brokenhearted. You you know what it feels like, right? You've been been brokenhearted. You know, the word here for brokenhearted is not like split in two. You ever see those hearts at at Valentine's? They just kind of just break them in two, got this big crack down the middle. That's not really what this word is. This word is like shattered, messed up. Completely broken. You, you, know, you know what that's like. It's a broken heart. Did you know that people die from broken heart syndrome? It's a thing. So overwhelmed. So oppressed by what is happening. That chemicals are released in their body. That actually causes the heart muscle to deteriorate. And people die of a broken heart. Now, you probably said that. I think I'm going to die over whatever happened. That's intense. There's a lot of things that cause us broken hearts. Losses, people, circumstances that come to us. But Jesus comes because, remember, Jesus changes everything. Even the difficulties that we have, even the disappointments uh, that come to all of us. You know, the, uh, we recognize that he is with us and he wants to help us. He wants to help us in the midst of, of our brokenness and to realize that he is with us. He doesn't want you to feel rejected and put down. He wants you to know that he is there to help us in our brokenness. You know, we have to learn that we don't, we don't identify ourselves with our brokenness. I am not my failures. 
I am not my weaknesses. I recognize that God has done a great and mighty thing in me, and he wants to do a work uh, inside of us. Do you, do you believe that God still changes people on the inside, transforms them? I wasn't sure I really fully believed all that till I was, um, you know, I was young. Um, I'm dating this little girl over here. And um, so uh, we lived near Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And so we, her parents, you know, Myrtle Beach pretty commercialized even back then. And so they didn't like to go down there and like stay. They just wanted to drive down there and to eat on the coast and then come back home. You know, so that was kind of what we, so we're, we're going down there and we go to this restaurant. And so, uh, you know, I'm there and I'm trying to behave and, you know, all that when you're dating the girl and, you know, so, um, so we go in this restaurant and so it's a, it's not, it's not a real huge place, but it's right on the marsh. Right? I mean, you can see the marsh and then the ocean is right out there. And so, uh, you know what we're going to be eating there. Well, the problem was, I was, I started to say kind of, but I'm kind of a picky eater. So I wasn't sure what I was going to be eating at this, you know, this place, you know. So, uh, so we go in and we're sitting down, everything's going fine. And all of a sudden there's a ruckus going on. And so this, this group's coming in is a big family and you, you can just hear them. They're loud and they're talking and I'm listening and they got an accent and you can tell they're from New York City. Uh, here they are in South Carolina and they come and mama is in charge, Right. She's coming in, she's getting everybody where they need to be seated. And so then uh, this, this little young waiter uh, comes up. And we got our menus, and I'm still looking at it, hadn't decided. But I'm, I'm listening. I want to see what Mama has to say. Mama says, young man, I want a piece of fish that was in the ocean this morning, and I want it on my plate tonight. You got that? He said, Okay, I'll be right back. And so he's gone, and he comes back, and he brings his little chalkboard. You know, I got a little chalkboard, and it's got like three or four things written on there. And he says, um, right at the top, it says, catch of the day. And so um, she's, she's looking at it, and, um, you know, I'm keeping an eye on what's happening over there. And he comes back, and she says, okay. I'm going to have this right here. And she points to it. I didn't know what it was. And I learned later it was grouper. So he's got this grouper, and she says again, okay. It was in the, in the ocean this morning, and it's on my plate tonight. Yes, ma'am. And so he's gone. And so we're ordering our stuff and all that and uh, talking. And, and then, but I'm paying attention because I want to see what happens. Um, so in a little while, here he comes. And he's got this massive platter. The fish is hanging over the side. And it's, it's beautiful white on the inside and all the fixings that go with it. And he plants that thing right down in the, right in front of her. And she says, in the ocean this morning? Yes, ma'am. And he's ready to get out of there because he's scared. He, you know, so, um, she's got this plate in front of her. And then I couldn't believe what happened. Like, Right then, everybody's getting all their stuff. And she reached over, and there's this little white stuff sitting on the table, like a salt shaker. And she picks up that salt shaker, and she shakes salt all over that thing before she even took a bite. I was stunned. I was stunned. Not because she wanted to salt her food. Here's what I thought. I thought, that piece of fish 
was in the ocean this morning. It had spent its whole life in salt water, and she couldn't eat it without putting salt on it. I have never forgotten that because it's one of the best holiness illustrations I've ever heard is that you can spend your whole life in this salty culture that we live in and still be pure on the inside. That's powerful. See, that's what Jesus does. He comes and he brings to us the, uh, takes us in our brokenness. And frees us. Uh, Psalm 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. That's what Jesus called us to do. So, you know, my prayer is that you know that. But most likely, you knew that already before you came here tonight. But there's some people in your life that don't know it. That are hurting. That, that need to hear from you the good news to heal the brokenhearted. A third thing I noticed that he said here was that uh, he's telling people he came to show us uh, what he came for. He came to release the captives. Release the captives. He came to set people free. Uh, Jesus is talking about not only the captivity that we find ourselves in caused by circumstances and people, but even self-imposed uh, captivity. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, the change we kind of put in, in our own selves, uh, the habits, the things that trap us, the shame, the guilt uh, that we struggle with and deal with. He came to release the captives, and to set us free. Jesus wants you to get out of that jail cell, to get that song said, I ran out of that tomb. He didn't want me to live in that. Uh, encouraging, reminding us. Do you know that, that people are still getting set free? This week, it's just been, an, I've had an incredible week. Um, so I started out this week and I went to this this event, you know, and when things happen to me, I'm always thinking, okay, why did that happen this week? So it must be something about what, what's going on here and going on Saturday. And uh, so, um, so I show up at this nonprofit and I'm speaking and I'm going to um, give a testimony and then I'm going to do a, a scripture and pray for them. So I get there and there's like 400 people there and, um, you know, I'm totally decked out, you know, dressed up because I know what the dress code was, but I noticed there was a few like big wigs around that we are, they're all dressed up too. And so one of them came up to me and he said, um, you know, he, he, I can tell he's kind of feeling me out like, um, what, what are you going to say? <laughs> That's pretty much what he was asking me. He's trying to make sure what I was, what I was up to being there. And I said, oh, no problem. I'm going to, I know exactly what I'm going to do. But after it was over. So people started coming up to me and I started meeting a few people that I uh, had a connection with, with the Pekin Church and some people in the community. And so uh, I'm greeting people. There's kind of a line. I've got all these. I told Kim it's like being royalty or something. All these people just standing in line there. And here comes this girl. And I could see her coming. And she's weeping. And I thought, oh my goodness. And I knew her name right away. And she came up. And we hugged, and she said, you know, I didn't know if I'd ever see you again. And she said, 
She's telling me a little bit about her story. She said, you remember where we were when you led me to Christ? You remember that baptism day that we had? Do you remember, she said, the mess that I was in? And my mind went to, "Mm mm-hmm, like Satan had her. I mean, she was in bondage to the things that have happened to her, problems that she had dealt with, and as close as, as about as close to being demon possessed as as just about anybody I've ever been around. So we started working together. Oh, it was hard, man. She would yell at me, and you know we trying to do counseling, and man, she just did not want to hear about Jesus. But you know what I did? Just kept on loving her. Loving her. Uh, you know, she could say anything to me. As a matter of fact, in the encounter, she did say some stuff to me. Uh, you know, we had like a proxy where you can talk to your father uh, by talking to somebody else. And oh my goodness, it was just incredible. But I'll never forget that she gave her life to Christ. She was baptized. And here she comes. It's like three years later. She's She's talking to me. And she says, you can't believe how good I'm doing. She says, my relationship with Jesus started that day and it's been going ever since. And if you hadn't loved me like that, I, I, never, I never would have made it. See, that's what Jesus wants us to get. He's still doing that. 2023, he's still accomplishing that in people's heart. And he does that through people like us. He's going to continue to do that uh, through uh, Sterling. John 8 says, Jesus said, everyone who sins is a slave of sin, but if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. I want to yell out her name to you. I won't do that, but, um, but she is free. Uh, several of her coworkers were standing nearby and they came by and they said, can you believe what's happened to her? She's telling you the truth. I mean, she is transformed. And I just thought, praise God, freedom happens here. That'd be, that'd be great to have a sign out there, right? Freedom happens here. That you can have a safe place to come and be loved and know that Jesus releases the captives, brings hope to the hopeless, heals the brokenhearted. And he came to reveal God to the world. There are not a lot of places where people are going to see God revealed. I'm glad this is one of them. This is one of them. Jesus came to reveal God to the world. He said, I've come to recover sight to the blind, knowing, see, God cares about blindness. You know, he healed blind people in, in the Bible, but he's not just only concerned about blindness physically, he's concerned about people's blindness to the things of God. So he came to reveal who he is. You know, they did a survey, oh, back during pandemic, I think it was, and the simple question was, um, who do you think Jesus is? Oh my goodness. You know, I mean, you won't be surprised, but um, Jesus is a peace-loving hippie socialist. Somebody said Jesus is a chill guy. Jesus is the uh, is really irrelevant for today's world. Or Jesus is dead. He just was a good man one time. You know, you read stuff like that and it just breaks your heart, doesn't it? 
Because Jesus is alive. Jesus is present uh, with us. And he came to reveal who God is uh, to our world around us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Satan, who's the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. That, that's who we're presenting. You know, people get blinded. Sometimes we get blinded. We get uh, mis, misguided. Uh, we have so many people that are like intellectually blind that haven't even really considered the message, the good news um, of Jesus Christ. You know, people in Jesus' day, they didn't get it either. You remember the story in the Bible where um, they're so upset with Jesus, they take him to a cliff and want to throw him off the cliff? They didn't, they were angry at him. They were frustrated. They didn't want to hear uh, his message. Jesus, the Bible says, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Man, that's why worship means so much, isn't it, Tony? I mean, you're, you're coming in a room and you're not just singing church songs. You're here exalting the Savior of the world, giving praise to Him. He's the one that is revealing Himself. He doesn't want to be hidden. He wants to make Himself known uh, through us. The, the, the last thing, Jesus came to uh, do all of those things He mentions. And then number five, He came to purchase your freedom. To purchase your freedom. Verse 18 said, I have come to release the oppressed and to proclaim the good news of the year of the Lord, the year of the Lord's favor. You know, you know what that means? He's not just talking about God kind of liking you or whatever. He's talking about uh, the, way it, the way it used to be. You know, they, um, the, the Old Testament says uh, every, uh, every week we have a Sabbath, right? We have a Sabbath. We take rest. And that um, for, the, for the people of God, he, he wanted them to know that um, there was also what they called Jubilee. You ever heard of Jubilee? Jubilee was this incredible thing, which every, you know, so they had every seventh year. And after 49 years, oh, you're going to love this. After 49 years, all the debt was canceled. So yeah, they cut up the credit cards and, you know, if, if the property used to be your family's, you got it back. And uh, it was the year of Jubilee. It was the year of the Lord's favor. Debts are forgiven and um, there's uh, complete. Jesus changes everything. Problem was, they never did it. As a matter of fact, if you know the whole story of them going into exile, that's one of the reasons. They didn't follow what God had told them they were supposed to do. Because he's trying to demonstrate who he is and to set people free. He had this plan. You, you know, right from the beginning, he didn't want you to be in tons of debt. Because he knows the stress that that has on us. He didn't want us to be overwhelmed by uh, economic situations going on around. He wanted to, to help us. He wanted to help pay our debts. But we know really, he wasn't just talking about credit cards. He's talking about the debt of our sin. For the wages of sin 
is death. Wages means the cost, the, uh, what it costs. You could say the, the debt of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But we will be doing a happy dance, haven't we? We know it too well. Uh, God is saying that you were separated from him because of your sin. And you don't go to heaven on your own work or your own effort. That is impossible. Peter says, God paid a ransom to save you from the impossible road to heaven, which your forefathers tried to take, and the ransom has been paid. Woo! Jesus came. God sent his son to you and me so that we would understand the price that was paid so that we could be free. Jesus changed everything. He came and he sacrificed his life for you. He came and gave himself just for you. He didn't have to do it, but he chose to do it on your behalf. You know, really what we're talking about tonight is something so dramatic happening to us that we can't keep quiet when we're out in the world around us. You know, you just realizing that I'm going to love people so much because Jesus loved me that way. If you ever have a struggle, you know, I don't know if you notice, but it's not really easy to love everybody. I had this guy call me this week. Another thing that happened to me. I'm driving down the road and he calls me um, and he says, Lloyd Brock. And uh, I haven't talked to him in a long time. You know, what I remembered when the phone rang was I started and I realized that when I first met this guy, like annoying. You ever hear people like, I mean, maybe it's just me. Y'all can judge me, but um, I just remember him. You know, he like he wants to be the, the pastor's best friend, you know, and he, he don't know the Lord. He don't know. Any, and it, but so uh, I just decided, OK, we, we're just going to love this old boy, you know, and we love on him and take care of him. You know what he asked me? He asked me the same thing that girl did on Monday. He said, do you remember where we were when, when I got saved? And I said, yep. And uh, I don't know how God brings this stuff to mind. It's 35 years ago. And I said, you were at my house and we had this chair sitting by the door and you were sitting in that chair and uh, Doug brought you over and you came over there because we had been loving you. Our church had been loving him. He came over there, confessed all that was happening in his life. And I said, well, why don't we kneel down? We had a little piano bench. I was sitting right there and we walked over and knelt by this piano bench, gave his life to Christ. You know what he said? He said, I'm still serving Jesus. He said, I'm having surgery tomorrow. I want you to pray for me. But I love you. And it hasn't... I haven't made all the great decisions in my life, but I'm still serving Christ. Started right there, sitting right there. See, that's, that's us, people. That's what, that's what we're called to do. You know, I don't know who's going to get saved here. I hope a bunch of people get saved here. But there's a good chance if you're going to be involved in it, it's going to be because you love somebody that was annoying or bothersome or cut you off in traffic or didn't get your order right. Or whatever. Come on in. You know, just get in the water. Yeah. 
he called us to be those people. So what is revival about? Uh, I love the word ignite. Because the prayer of your pastor was that there might be a few people that give their life to Christ in a revival. But honestly, these days, it's you see who's in the room here. But what Jesus is thinking is, if I can just get her a little hotter, if I can get him a little more on fire, if I can do a work inside of them so that they cannot shut up about what happened to them, when they start telling other people about the freedom that they experienced, about the worship that is in their heart, that's how you grow the church. It happens through, through the people. If, if you think Denny's going to save this whole county, I'm so sorry. So sorry. He, he's, he's got his hands full with you. <laughs> and there are going to be folks that are going to get saved. But wouldn't it, wouldn't it be incredible if next Ignite, that all of us had had opportunity to pray for God, to bring somebody into our life that we could love and maybe have an opportunity to come to know Christ. Somebody told me the other day, maybe, maybe that should be a requirement. I thought, woo. <laughs> but that's really what Jesus has in mind. What's going to happen at Sterling has a direct influence on what you do and who you are and how you've been impacted by what Jesus said that day in Nazareth. Really, that's where the revolution started. And it continues through all of us. So let's stand together. I thought we would have a prayer. And then um, let's worship out. That'd be all right. Let's, let's give God praise for how he has blessed us this week. Um, we're going we're gonna to lift up this song. We're going to go back and sing one we already sang. So you uh, don't have to even think about a new song. This, this is that revelation song. We're in the presence of God, giving him praise and glory and asking him to so fill us with fire in his presence that he would use us. Don't let this revival just be a reminder that we had five services uh, during that week. Let's look back on it and realize that's, that's where he began to move me in a little different direction. That's when I started going to the well. That's when I started meeting people and being, allowing him to use me. So whether that's inviting somebody, you know, I, I know the devil is so good at it. You, you'll go right by somebody and it might be that God wanted you to talk to them and you were so busy you didn't even have a chance to speak to them. Happens to me. But he wants us to be his people on fire, red hot on fire for him. Uh, as, a, as a part of this church. So uh, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Holy, holy, holy is he. Let's sing this together.